Welcome to the What Do You Do show, a podcast where we explore paths to success one guest at a time. We are at episode 6 of the What Do You Do show and we are calling it the curator's canvas. Are you somebody who books museum visits over the weekends? If yes, have you ever thought of who hangs that frame on the wall or why was it chosen to be placed at the mid of the gallery walk or who wrote the description to the masterpiece? Well, that's the job of a museum curator. Curation is all about helping artists bring their ideas to life. And in this episode we have with us Ananya. She's a museum curator, educator, art historian and a master storyteller. Her expertise spans the spectrum of research, documentation, inventory, reorganizing storage spaces and the most interesting of all designing exhibitions. Through her work She doesn't just preserve history; she makes it accessible to all of us. So, whether you're somebody who just loves to go to museums, maybe are an aspiring curator, or someone who loves to explore the past through the lens of art and history, you're in for a treat. I am an art curator. Before this, I was working for a museum, so uh, there's a huge difference between museum curators and art curators that people generally don't understand. But right now, I'm working as an art curator for a Hong Kong-based art gallery, and I'm working from India, working from home for them. Oh, that's really nice. So you said there's a world of difference between an art curator and a museum curator. Can you can you spell that difference for us? Okay, so um, I did my masters in museum studies, and you know, always throughout my education, I was prepared for the world of museums, where uh, we deal with artifacts, we deal with Uh, so the people who have made those artifacts are obviously not with us right now so when you come to the art world to the art curation world so the artist is standing right there with you they're giving their inputs they're telling you how they want it to be so when uh, curation i for me curation is storytelling so when you're telling the story of artifacts there's room for imagination there's room for you know for you to work research but in the art curation world it's like you have to connect the artist's perspective to the uh, audiences right. so that's the stark difference that i faced oh nice i was reading somewhere about since we had to do this i was reading about what who is a museum curator and who is an art curator and somebody said that our job is like that of a midwife like we are delivering something we are we are interpreting somebody's work and giving it for the world to consume but not putting too much of ourselves into their work and leaving it open to interpretation so there's this yeah. very subtle line that we are doing right. so uh you did your masters in museum studies how did that happen how did this very uh unconventional uh you know uh education degree come to you and why do you think why what prompted you to take it up uh so it's it's a it's a bit long the story that i'm going <laughs> to tell so but i'll anyway uh say it Absolutely. so this is uh when i was 16 uh, i i was i took fine arts okay against all of my family i said you know i wanted to have a minor in fine arts in my school so i took fine arts and i was doing that and eventually i came across this um, workshop that was happening in mehrangarh and my i told it to my teacher and he said you know what we should do it like for our students so we went there it was called the young curators workshop so i went there i saw what curators do what art historians do what conservators do and at the age of 16 you know i could not contemplate all of that so i could not understand how do you become an art curator but it was always at the back of my mind 
so then fast forward i took uh, admission bachelor's in uh, delhi university so that was in history so i was always at the back of my mind i used to always keep thinking that you know how does one become a museum curator they did not tell us that they told us what the curators are doing but how how do i become that so i contacted the person who was taking that workshop so his name is yasir and he has been a mentor to me all these years right now also when i'm whenever i'm stuck i just call him and i'm like yasir help me so i called him up he was working at ignca in delhi and he said you know what come over and he had no idea i was in first year first month of my college and i'm like i want an internship in a museum and he started laughing he said you know <laughs> enjoy your life a little don't stress too much and uh, just you know chill out go to a cafe drink beers and i said no i want to enter in a museum you tell me how to do that and this guy he's like okay so do one thing you you're from jodhpur you're living you've been you've been brought up in jodhpur go there uh, talk to um, uh, this person in uh, mehrangarh museum he'll get you through he'll get you an internship there so i said okay fine i'll go there so i did my internship in mehrangarh museum they did not take me seriously they were like first year ke bachche they gave me the first like <laughs> i can't Gave me to document their kachra, so everything that they were sweeping off, they said you go and you um, document that. So uh, again, you know, I could not really understand that uh, how do museums work, and still, what is the job of a curator? Still, couldn't contemplate first year, like seventeen, eighteen year old. Then I pushed that back and I said, okay, let's see how I can study to become uh, a museum curator. and that's how after my uh, bachelor's i did my masters in museum studies so yeah. that's how i figured my way through it thankfully yeah. through the help of good seniors yeah so that's i think very important in my field mentorship yes and that yes. you kept going back to something that you did when you were at, at the age of 16 and it stuck with you somewhere mm-hmm. and you held it tight and yeah. i think this is one uh, common theme that has been throughout the conversations that i have with my guests that i did something somewhere sometimes some back but but it, yeah. i just felt very connected to it and then life happened but then it life was happened. still there you know somewhere yeah. in the back of my head and i wanted to go back to it and then somehow people guided me to it some sometimes i was not intuitive enough to understand that i could be good at this somebody else told me that yeah. hey you know i could map yeah. you to this career to this job to this skill and you could do it better and you did right. that to yourself so kudos to you on that so i um, wanted to wanted to know and ask that um, who do you think how would you define who, what is the role of a curator so this is for people who don't know anything about museums uh, go mm-hmm. there to just take maybe pictures or it's a family outing for them uh, yeah. what is the role That's of a curator <laughs> <laughs> what is the role of a curator and how important is it is their role uh in the current context if you could explain that so uh whenever okay so if you enter a blank room okay there are mm-hmm. walls and there is this one red square in the middle so if you go there and you're very excited to see that red square you go there and you see that and you feel that you know what do i do now what is the square okay so everyone is talking about the square but what is it so i come in there curators come in there and explain it to you that okay this is what the red square means this is the person who made the red square and this is what he was thinking at the time that he was making the red square mm-hmm. so now you have a deeper connection with that red square right 
so for art back in the day art used to be very realistic very obvious just out there but not anymore the modern art is very interpretative people can you know take out interpretations people can relate some people start crying after looking at certain objects and you would feel that why why are you crying looking at that because you could not connect to it that way the other person did so to form that connection the curator comes in okay. in simple terms what i feel is a curator is a storyteller mm-hmm. so we come in we tell you stories that make you understand the artifacts the make, that make you understand the artwork and the artist behind it so to understand any any particular artwork you need to know where the artist is coming from what was he thinking what was he going through when he made that still date we are you know trying to decipher why leonardo da vinci painted mona lisa because people find that smile very ordinary yeah. and uh, till date curators are debating mm-hmm. so you know to understand why someone did what they did okay that's where the curator comes in so when you say that curation is like storytelling and stories are narratives right and there's a there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end to any story or anything that you see so right. if i go to a painting and there's a tiny description which i see is always listed there which talks about the artist their work etc how do you how are you able to tell an entire story or how are you able to uh, form that connection with just those three lines and that painting is it because of the ambiance that you're creating because i see those yellow spotlights and you know you there it's the focus is on the picture right and then um, what are the nuances that help you bring out an art piece okay so there are a couple of things that we do first things first so there's this description at the beginning of the um, uh, exhibition so okay. that's a huge long description okay. so we generally write that to give you an idea of what you're going to experience so once people read that people know that you know they have a mindset from which they're going inside the exhibition second thing whenever you enter an exhibition the entire exhibition is not visible to your eye just when you uh, enter the right. room yeah. so that is where we create breakages mm-hmm. so Uh, there could be an artist who uh, painted his art in the span of 10 years that we are dis- uh, displaying right so to break those 10 years so because when you enter you're going to be like okay good art mm. 10 years of his work be like uh, you know uh, visible to you in one go so we do not want that that's where we create breakers so that's how you know so you've read the uh, description when you enter you know that okay so this is in the period of 10 years that mm. this person has worked like okay. this Mm-hmm. when you when you as you mentioned the lighting mm-hmm. so the lighting can matic can be very subtle can be bright can be you know uh, can be dark as well there could be no light yeah. so that that could be a form of artwork mm-hmm. so that's how we work you know to just sort of these little things that we do mm-hmm. and by the time you reach the artifact and you reach read those three lines you're already in connection with the artist yeah. with his work you know that okay so this is between this year to this year when he was working with these mediums he was going through this at that time and that's when he painted this mm-hmm. so that's how it goes okay and you said that you know there's an interpretation that you make out of any art piece and the olden time art was very obvious it was out there was a the lady with a you know matka or something yeah. and then you just see it's beautiful whatever she's painted yeah. what sarees she's wearing and now there is all this abstract art and modern art and uh, one is supposed to interpret them and it is reserved for the very intellectual 
uh, you know, a lot of people who interpret those, you know, art forms and you are supposed to enjoy art in a very selective way. There's a way that you can enjoy art and there's a way you cannot. So I was reading about this uh, woman, she's written a piece on how people uh, took made reels in the Van Gogh museums that happened right across India in Bangalore, Gurgaon and I think Mumbai. And people were there uh, not reading about his history, about his work, about his brush strokes and his life and everything. But they were just making reels in the backdrop of his, of the starry night and all of that. And uh, people said that that's not the right way to enjoy art. I mean, you didn't pay any attention to Van Gogh. You were so consumed in yourself. To versus there were mm -hmm. arguments against it's how I enjoy art. I mean, if I enjoy art by making reels, that's how I enjoy it. If, if I enjoyed it as a good backdrop, uh, I yeah. enjoyed it like that and uh, that at least that work or that museum opened the avenues for people to know about this 300 old year old artist who did some work and whose these were his works at least they know about him now which they did not you know they wouldn't have uh, yeah. so that got me to thinking and I want to ask you that and even it happens to me that how does mm -hmm. how do I interpret art or like if I am somebody who's going to a museum and there's there's some things I like, okay, if I, there's greenery, I like it, there's a book cover, I like it, if I like it, it's just very intuitive. But I never interpret it to mean that, oh, this means that. So is there a way that even the common man, when, visit, when visiting a museum, can interpret art? Or is it just meant to be seen and interpreted in your own way? There's no correct, like, you know, template to do it. Okay, so there's this very interesting story behind this. So okay. earlier museums used to be this cabinet of curiosities. Okay? okay, so the rich people, yeah, so rich people used to travel around, and they used to collect everything that they thought they could not find in their own uh, country. So these were Europeans, obviously, and they were bringing back, you know, uh, uh, natural spe specimens from the uh, places that they used to travel to, they were bringing bones, shells, stones, spices, everything. And, uh, you know, to boast of their voyages, they used to put those in a cabinet. And all the rich people, they used to drink their wine, come see the cabinets, and then, you know, be like, okay, his cabinet is bigger than mine. So, you know, I need to make more voyages, bring more right. things, and make bigger uh, uh, cabinets. And slowly and steadily, people started devoting rooms to these uh, voyages that, uh, you know, they things from the voyages they wanted to boast of. So, um, eventually it became such an elitist um, uh, activity that the common masses were not even aware that people were bringing all these things back. Right. It was after the French Revolution that people got into the Palace of Versailles, turned it into an actual functioning museum. And that's how the common man got access to museums. Oh. And so when we study museum studies, we mm -hmm. the first thing that we are ta taught is that you know, your work should be interpretative enough that a common man enters and he's able to understand what you're trying to say. Right. So, so the fact that art is so elitist and it's like, you know, only for reserved for the intellectuals, that is completely false because that then it de denies any um, anything that we know about museology in the current okay. days. Mm -hmm. But sadly, but sadly, I think that people from the art spaces, museum spaces, make it about themselves so much that they understand and they interpret and they, you know, they're like the superior uh, to other common peoples, yeah. people, uh, which I feel is not correct. So mm -hmm. if 
i enjoy art in a certain way that can be the same so with the case of uh, uh, crafts museum they uh, opened cafe lota cafe lota got really popular in delhi and people used to come to cafe lota and then see the museum itself mm-hmm. so i mean people are against that as well that you are using a cafe to cafe. promote your own yeah. museum yeah but i mean in a country like india where we are not taught about art from a young age where we are not taught what are museums our museum field trips are just like you know one day of going from the school to the museum and coming back so in a country like that where we we need to have marketing strategies for museums right right so something like uh, people going to van gogh museum for making reels is because van gogh is a brand now not mm. an artist mm-hmm. so people are not going to see art people are going to see that brand yeah so how does it how does it matter as long as people are coming there mm. right the same way the same way if you go to a museum and you're not able to interpret the art for any reason like in mm. the n number of reasons but you go there and you enjoy that ambience but you do not understand that you know yeah, yeah. what what i just want to say so most of the times in art exhibitions the artists are there Mm. so you can always go to them you can always ask have a conversation i see a lot of people just ignore the artists walk walk through the exhibition don't talk to them and come out mm-hmm. so uh, for that i feel that is not correct you should do that apart from that you should uh, if you can attend the opening nights so there the curator walks you through the exhibition mm-hmm. tells you about it okay. even if you you know miss something on the text mm-hmm. you're there they can tell it to you they can convey what they want to convey mm-hmm. so that is also a way and if not i don't think you should stress if you do not understand something it is fine you can I always think. come out and you Because, don't you know i visited albert it. hall in jaipur okay and i was uh, i was somebody who want to who wants to enjoy monuments museum yeah. in the right way somehow yeah. i have this notion yeah. that, oh, i shouldn't just waste this visit of mine and not come yeah. back not knowing anything so i i always yeah. take that tour guide in case they are mm-hmm. there and so i want to know about the place and sometimes the memory of it sticks in my head and sometimes it does not and albert hall is such a beautiful museum but it was such an overload of content for me because there was mm-hmm. so much to see yeah. there is yeah. the two floors are flooded with what you said don't know conquests from here and there because you yeah. wanted to plant yeah. his uh what yeah. plant his conquest from this and he wanted to show that king yeah. right and yeah. uh, i when i did the entire thing and I, we took so many pictures there because it has a beautiful the architecture is really beautiful yeah. and there are people feeding the pigeons here and there and yeah. everything and i came back and i said but what did i learn today and like mm-hmm. what did i learn about albert hall or what did what will i take away from this experience and i was talking mm-hmm. to my friend and she said you just had an experience you don't need a tangible takeaway shagun every time <laughs> so just leave <laughs> to be <laughs> sometimes sometimes it mm-hmm. can be just one art piece that stuck with you or the yeah. or the story of one artist or just one moment mm-hmm. that you know that yeah. you really enjoyed it does not have to be yeah. necessarily the entire experience so the entire yeah. Experience. Yeah. yeah and you uh, so as a curator there are exhibitions and there are days when you put them out but what is the background work of your curator what is it that you do on an everyday basis to make the day happen right so um a curator is basically the manager of the museum so whatever you see at the museum at the back hand the curator is doing the curator and their team so uh, generally we have only only display 5% of our uh, collection 
and the 95% of it is in the storages so okay. we are always continuously researching about that we're documenting that there are more artifacts that are coming every now and then so people want to donate you want to you know acquire something that is happening so there's a lot of paperwork that goes behind that mm-hmm. uh behind the uh, walls i think behind the walls of the museum the office uh there's a lot of research work and a lot of documentation work that is going on so okay. what i as a curator have to do is that i want i need to know every object that is there in my storage mm-hmm. so for that we give every object an accession number So okay. that's where our documentation process starts. Mm-hmm. So it's like an accession number is like a unique name for every object. Okay. So and then okay. I uh, I create a detailed catalog, um, my accession register around it, and then I uh, re- start researching about it. So I need to have a knowledge about every object, not only that is displayed, but also the objects that that are in the storage. Right, in the storage. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we have a lot of publishing happening in the museums. Uh, apart from that, uh, there's a lot of uh, storage management. So it's like reorganization of storage. So there are uh, these guidelines about it: how you handle objects, how you store them, the uh, relative humidity, the temperature, the lighting, the uh, uh intensity of light that has to be there the temperature and humidity has to be constantly same in the museum and in the storage so there is no mold on the um, okay. objects apart from that we do preventative conservation so uh, uh preventative conservation means that you take such good care of the object it does not uh, damage over the period of time okay so that is that those techniques are different for every object and even if an object due to some reason or the other because you can never you know the rh and the uh, the relative humidity and the temperature you can never keep it stable mm-hmm. especially in a tropical country like india it's very difficult the humidity goes high during rainy uh, season and then you know there's nothing in your hand that you can do so even if the objects get damaged we have to call the conservator um, right at that time to get it corrected to get okay. it treated Okay, yeah. so there's a conservator so who are... who is dedicated to doing this job, right? Yes, yes, yeah. the conservators. Uh, so we are sort of the custodian of that art piece. Correct. They're like our babies. Mm-hmm. So you, that's like in your care. Mm-hmm. You cannot, you cannot be negligent. Otherwise, that that object which has survived hundreds of years could die at your hands. It's like yeah. it would be perished. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a huge responsibility of how we carry objects, how we take care of them, um, and then uh, the biggest threat that museum objects face is of threat, uh, theft. I'm so sorry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> theft. So to prevent theft, you need to know where each object is at all times. Okay. So you have to have that. a uh, level of um, involvement with your artifacts with your storage with your uh, display that you know at any given point if you ask me where is that uh, leather doll that we saw okay that's there in the shelf uh, number this or that and okay. we have that in our system mm-hmm. so that there so there's a lot of things that keep happening at that's the back hand and where do these artifacts come from you said that artifacts keep coming in so mm-hmm. are there people who contact museums that you know they have this piece and do you verify it or how how do you take an artifact in so uh, generally what happens is whatever uh, archaeological survey of india excavates okay. they bring those to museums for okay. us to keep it and for us to treat it and then you know we take care of it from there mm-hmm. so uh, that is one source so uh, my uh, 
college that is national museum institute so we used to conduct a lot of excavation so they send their archaeologists uh, who work with asi closely and these excavations are funded by the national museum they take out the uh, artifacts and then they sort of uh, come to national museum and then we decide what we have to do with it we we conserve it some of it most of it needs conservation obviously because it's been buried for so long uh, so that is one way other another way is people uh, who want to donate to the museum so they have a collection of their grandfathers grandmothers so they come over and they're like you know we want to donate this to you um that is another way another way is called uh, repatriation which is really um, you know in trend these days i would say so these are countries where your stolen artifacts have reached somehow and they're giving it back to you because they know that okay this is your yours to keep okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah yours to keep so um australia had given india a lot of artifacts back and i think uh, national museum did a exhibition of only those artifacts which were repatriated to india okay. so that is also it's very political uh, mostly for you know maintaining the relations and everything so that's how it goes oh and there are so many museums in india so how does asi like archaeology survey of india decide ki which museum gets what i mean is there a is there any uh, competitiveness over there that you know which museum gets <laughs> what artifacts or no 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 not at all not at all i think a uh, museum field is the least competitive okay. field in the world because, <laughs> because i know people are just fighting <laughs> yeah we're just fighting that people come here we don't care about you know anything else so uh, in one of my marketing classes my teacher told me that uh, you know um uh, so other fields are com- competing against each other like ott platforms are competing against theaters and you know but in museums we're like it's like we're all together competing against every entertainment source that is out there and we we just have to be so interesting we just we just want people to come mm-hmm. so i think yeah that is definitely not there competitiveness is not there so um, asi generally gives the artifacts to the pe- to, to the organization that's funding the excavation Okay. so if i am funding the ex- excavation so the art so we'll decide that you know this part of the excavation would come to me mm-hmm. and uh, rest of the things asi keeps it themselves they have their own museums um, and yeah so that's how that works okay and uh, yeah i was uh, just thinking that when you said that uh, you know how do we make the world of museums entertaining have you thought about it also like an individual level what effort can you take to make it more access it's accessible but more entertaining so that people think of it as a saturday sunday thing to do yeah uh so we do outreach programs so we uh, keep a lot of outreach activities that we try to do with our uh, visitors so that more and more people can come what i do on a personal level is that i've started taking these museum workshops so me and my friend from college we uh, have this small organization it's called culture connect where we go to schools and we organize museum workshops for them Oh, so wow. these could be different workshops yeah so it's like storytelling it's again the young curators workshop which got me to the museum feel i really want people to have that uh, you know uh, sort of a, a opportunity right. to just make that choice you know just have know that you have that option i think children in india don't know that this feel exists and how to go about it so we go to these museum we create young museum workshops make your own museums we have this micro museum workshop where you can keep 
uh, a small tiny museum with yourself oh, wow. and which is very very yeah so that is something that the children love definitely definitely I think we can do that we can work something out mm-hmm. so yeah so that's what we're doing right now um, a lot of museums are doing a lot of uh, good outreach work Kiran Nagar Museum of Art they're doing amazing outreach work you know museum education educating students through art so a lot of things are happening there's this NGO in Himachal called Kahani Ki Dukan so they're making micro libraries and museums in villages of India. So which is like such an uh, amazing wow. thought, I think. Yeah. So uh, all the children, they go there and they're doing these impromptu theaters. So a lot of good work is happening, you know, making museums, libraries accessible to people. Yeah. And known, known to people, known to the known to, people. Known to the common, exactly. common crowd. Yeah. So uh, you've talked a lot of what happens good in the industry. So we are going to talk a little bit about what are the challenges that you face as a museum curator and um, Mm -hmm. how difficult or how easy is it to get a job in the Indian subcontinent as a museum curator? And if, if one wants to become a museum curator, how do they go about it? So uh, I would say that you really need to be passionate about it. You know, okay. that uh, when you said that you I, w- I got stuck at that idea that this is what I wanted to do. So you have to be sure that you're going to be stuck with that idea throughout your life because this is what you're going to be doing. So I think it needs a lot of dedication and a lot of patience and right mentorship. That is very important. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the Indian field, I think it is a little difficult, like I'd call it that difficult to get into uh, museums and uh, art galleries. For art galleries, I think it's still easier. But museums are um, definitely a bit of a challenge. So the, there are two reasons. Because one, uh, you need to clear government competitive exams to get into Indian government museums. Okay. And it is only the Indian government museums that are actually doing good work right now. So when it comes to history, publication, people who are into academia would definitely want to get into government museums. But for that, the competitiveness is high because you have to appear for these exams. Uh, Secondly, you can stay with uh, private museums. That is not uh, not a bad option. You can stay there. But eventually, I think in the private sector, the growth stagnates after a bit. Okay. So you have to, you know, you have to keep uh, pushing yourself that, you know, maybe you should shift to a better job. You should maybe look for other options, start independently curating. And that's how you can navigate the private world. So I would say that definitely needs a lot of dedication, needs a lot of passion and love for arts. Mm -hmm. That, you know, this is where you want to be. This is what you want to do for the rest of your life. And this is the struggle that you're ready to take. Signing up for, yeah. Yeah, and when when did you find that you had this undying passion for this space and that you wouldn't back out when it got difficult? Like, how did your tryst with art start? So, um, I was I think in my first semester of masters in National Museum, and uh, our teachers used to always take us to the art galleries and teach us, you know, and they used to leave us there. And, uh, you know, you could sit with your favorite artifact and you could just sit there and make points about it. Whatever you could observe there, you okay. you, you would just sit there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our classes used to happen inside these galleries. 
so you know i was uh, that's when my bonding with art and you know uh, the sculptures the ancient art it, that's where it started uh, after that but we were not obviously allowed to handle the objects mm-hmm. so uh, the mentor i was telling you about yasir so he runs an organization it's called mahira organization uh, mahira foundation so that's where uh, he gave me an internship and he said you know we're going to bhadarjun fort we're going to document their um, all the pieces that are there in their collection and uh, the royal family is very concerned that everything is rotting such beautiful pieces are rotting so we're going there we'll conserve it we'll uh, uh, document it so i got really scared because i had never touched an object before and this was real field work and i said what if i don't like it and now i'm already uh, one semester into my uh, masters and i said you know what if i realize that this is something that i do not want to do but i mean obviously i had to do that internship and you know make sure for myself that you know this is the field for me so yeah i left for bhadrajun took a 15 day leave from college uh, left for bhadrajun that's where we stayed for 15 days and when i handled my first artifact i knew it i knew it that this is the field for me and i'm going to fight to be here i'm yeah. going to fight i'm going to be in this field uh, no matter what it takes oh, wow. so that was you know my um, first connection uh, know, awakening yeah <laughs> yeah oh wow that's really nice and i think uh, you mentioned two internships already have internships mm-hmm. been very pivotal in your career as an art historian or as a museum curator definitely definitely i have um i don't think there was any time in my life that i was not interning i've been working i've been associated with a lot of organizations uh, not just when i was um, uh, you know in my masters but also when i was in my bachelors so i was always trying to learn something i was i always had that uh, fire in me to just keep learning more and more about this field okay. and i was just it was just hit and trial for me just hitting my head to random organizations and seeing that you know if this works for me that's how i've i've learned my way i really wish that people get to know good seniors in good time so that they can you know uh, save this excessive um, hard work yeah, but yeah. yeah for me yeah for <laughs> me it was a random hit and trial method to just figure out what i wanted to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah i in the museum field itself i think i've done 7 to 8 internships okay. uh, which really really helped me throughout my career uh, helped me get my first job so that was also very easy for me um, uh, so yeah and are these internships right? paid or unpaid usually um my internships have been mostly paid uh, okay. because i had been interning from a very young age so uh, by the time you were getting paid internships because yeah, i was this whole thing around that college students need not be paid for the work they are doing and they they give yeah. a lot of grant to work like you just said right so then yeah. there is that stigma as well which i think maybe students need to know that i can i should be paid for the work that i am doing yeah. because it's work at the exactly. end that they're giving to somebody right exactly. yeah i had one more question i was thinking about when you said you had to research about things and you document them so what is your um, how do you research is it a google research or do you have books around you how do you do that 
uh so yeah definitely not google research i yeah. do not recommend that for anyone uh so we <laughs> we have a lot of books uh we sit in libraries all day and we're just trying to relate things one thing to the other so maybe if i saw this motif in vijayanagara empire coins and i see that same motif in a monument somewhere in rajasthan so there's always that link that we form Okay. so it's it requires a lot of reading a lot of uh, you just need to know your history you need to know your art history and uh, yeah that's how you go about it a lot of reading going to fields uh, you know uh, seeing things for yourself so anna you talked about how you can also do your independent you can independently curate and you did an independent curate museum called romania i read about it on linkedin so how was that experience what inspired you to do that and walk us through that entire journey Oh, that that's uh, very emotional. It's very close to my heart. Uh, so uh, there's this artist. He's a national award-winning artist. His name is Shiv Shankar Sharma, uh, and he draws miniature art. So uh, and you know, in miniature art, there's a lot of nudity at times, which is also a part of romanticism, um, and not you know, it's not vulgarity. so what in indian terms we call vulgarity but it's just naked women you know bathing surrounded by lotuses and there's this uh, bee around them which uh, denotes their lover so it's a very romantic scene and it's um, not at all obscene uh, so for us to convince our director that, that we need to form the entire exhibition around these uh, nudes that he used to call it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he was he was not convinced he said you know uh, jaipur crowd is not ready for this jaipur crowd is not ready for nudity and we told him is jaipur crowd ready for romanticism mm-hmm. uh, are they romantics and he was like yes but this is not romantic <laughs> and we said let us curate let us let us put the exhibition you come in you see if you if you find something vulgar in the pictures if you think that the jaipur crowd is not ready for it we can definitely change that okay uh, and uh, eventually he got convinced uh, yeah so that's uh, those were four i think four pieces yeah that we knit the entire exhibition around and that was that was a journey you know because we had that pressure that it needs to look romantic it needs to look the ambience needs to be as such when people come they should feel that you know there's this romanticism in the air so we yeah. we had radha krishna paintings we had uh, shiv parvati paintings and then we had those uh, naked ladies Indeed, in the so. middle and yet yet it just somehow uh, knit so well together mm-hmm. so yeah it was it was a journey it was uh, something that i will never forget <laughs> uh, it will always be very close to my heart <laughs> and when you said that that you to convince your uh... you know the managing director and then now you're an art curator where you have to talk to artists and you know you have to yeah. un- talk to them understand where they are coming from and then put their artwork out there i see a yeah. lot of conversational skills and human skills that are being put to use here right that you have to uh, employ so that you are doing your best work and has that been a challenge for you or what is it that like how is talking to people convincing them or engaging with them like mm-hmm. and especially so, artists people who might be abstract or people who might be saying something doing something else maybe it's not their job to really you know uh, talk about their artwork they've just created it and they just want to put it out somewhere right but it's your job to do that so how yeah. how do you how do you navigate those rather 
lose conversations or are they lose am i just assuming or what's what's the scene there yeah so for uh, when you just start with this uh, field and when you just meet an artist and he tells you you know it should it should be dark but it should also be light and at <laughs> that, that time you just you just stand and look at his face and you say what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean but i think it's it's when you work under a lot of people and when you see how they deal with these people right so i i was lucky enough to work at crafts museum okay. and uh, you know we were curating for international artists and these were folk artists from myanmar and uh, it was indonesia myanmar a couple of other southeast asian countries and you know we we are not very familiar with their traditions their cultures and the curator that i was working under at that time i saw her working so fluently with them so uh, effortlessly like she knew what they were talking about and you know later i sat with her and i said you know how could you understand what they were saying it was it was uh, very incomprehensible for me and then she told me that you know there's this human experience so experiences of the human beings are not very difficult uh, different from each other it's very similar so when you sit around with enough humans you've talked to them you've talked to enough artists you know that their experiences are not very um uh, distinct from each other it's okay. very similar and what they want with their art is also very similar mm-hmm. so once you learn that once you learn to uh, understand to comprehend the human experience that you can navigate your way through the world very easily and that i think has really helped me not just in the art world but um uh, outside that as well yeah and that's so i mean you will have to research about also where the artist is coming from their background their culture everything right if they just bring right. you an art piece there's going to be so much to that do they also open yeah. to you about their life experiences so that you are um, able to actually put it out there or is it just like uh you know a description they are giving you and you are supposed to do the storytelling for yourself so uh i think it's both so okay. it depends from person to person mm-hmm. um i met this artist uh, shubham sharma uh, he's also a good friend now but you know when we just met him he used to say two words only Okay. and uh, he yeah he could not tell us what he wanted with his art he could not uh, you know we were not able to understand his art pieces as well because uh, things were coming in pieces and we had to you know uh, put it all together but we could not understand what he wanted with that that so he's telling me i want 200 pieces of bricks and i look at him and i say why please tell me what i what do you want to do with it so he's like no i decided this corner and this is where my artwork is going to be and uh, you know it's i'm going to put relics there in the bricks still do not understand so i'm like okay you do you i'll get you the 200 bricks you have decided the place also <laughs> so i mean i'm not going to push you and that's there but then also there are artists who just come in and who you know who make it so easy on you who make it so easy who just tell their jo- uh, journey of uh, how they began with uh, the painting in the first place how that theme came in, uh, came into their mind who actually want to express so much with their art so i mean definitely it's very easy to work with people like that artists like that but the challenge of working with people who speak less is also um, uh, really interesting because you know their art speaks for them 
um do the artists reach out to the museums or do you, and does it happen vice versa so what happens vice versa okay. uh for for uh, every gallery wants a famous artist to you know display in their gallery but it's especially true for the smaller galleries or the galleries that are just starting right now definitely they reach out to the artists ask for their pieces the dates that they're available and uh, and it's vice versa also artists also reach out to galleries that they want to display this uh, there are some galleries that uh, host temporary exhibitions so you can definitely reach out to them there are open calls for artists that you know our gallery is open to host you please come please apply and uh, yeah we'll select and we'll uh, display your work mm-hmm. and uh, yeah in the same way there are permanent exhibitions where artists uh, the gallery is going to display the artist's work and once they sell that work they're going to take a part of the commission from that work okay so that's how it goes okay okay understood and uh, I had one question in mind and it's like I call this a dreamy question of the podcast where um I ask you to imagine that if you have all the money resources that you would need in your current role okay and you wanted to do something in your context the museum space what would you do what is it that you would revolutionize overnight or maybe with your constant efforts and make it happen something that's been in your head but you're not able to make it come live I would have a museum in every government school of India, okay. and in the villages, in the cities, everywhere, in every government school. My aim in life is to just make museums accessible to the common man, mm-hmm. to to everybody, not just the elite class, the intellectual class, the academics, but everybody. Every child should be aware from the concept of museums. Every child should have seen a museum at least once in his life. and uh, this is really sad because uh, i ca- i'm i'm from uttarakhand i'm a native of uttarakhand and there are barely four museums in uttarakhand that people can name and in in the entire state i'm talking about yeah. people are not aware Pe- my relatives are not aware my relatives who are educated who know who've seen the world who know the world they are not aware what a museum is what a museologist does so it's it's just if i could have that resource i am trying to do that without resources as well mm-hmm. uh, but yeah definitely if i get the resources i am going to have museums all around india and i would love that i would love for people to come there do storytelling you know mm-hmm. uh, i always say that curation is the art of storytelling and mm-hmm. indians i think they're born storytellers yeah. so whenever i go to a village i i talk to them and they, they just start telling me all about their day what happened that guy fell that guy passed away and they're like so happy about people people passing away and i feel you know off ho gaye that is there <laughs> there is an enthusiasm they just want to tell their stories so if yeah. given the platform i think there's going to come out so much talent from the rural india uh, the so called backward india that you know uh, so yeah i want to work for that Yeah, that's that's really nice. And with that, mm-hmm. I would ask you just one last question, and that is, we talked about the motivations that you need to become a museum curator. You talked about that. What are some key skill sets that you think are very essential if somebody wants to break through in this space? So first needs to be um your communication skills. Okay. You need to have really good communication skills. You need to network a lot. 
so you, from one artist to the other you need to have that communication skill to convince people to talk to people to be around people so you need to be an extrovert even if you're not an extrovert try to be to talk to as many people as you can because no you're not breaking it in this field you know just sitting in your room and not talking to people so you have to be out there okay. uh, second of all you need to have that sense uh, of sensitivity i would say Yep. that you know this is somebody else's uh, brain child that you're dealing with so could be an old artifact could be a recent artifact as well you cannot be disrespectful so you have to have that sensitivity third would be uh, writing skills so your writing skills need to be on point definitely because as you mentioned earlier that with three lines you have to convey what the other person was thinking right. at that time and it would be so deep but you get like five lines or three lines so you need to have that a uh, sort of writing skill um i think that's that's it so yeah and that that dedication that passion towards art you i i feel like, yeah when i wake up i feel like i don't want to consume art i want art to consume me uh-huh. and you know that's wow. how i go about in my profession <laughs> wow that that's such a beautiful way to sum it up thank you social issues to changing how we see our future museums have the power to reflect and shape our society and so the role of a museum and art curator is increasingly relevant and super duper interesting if this conversation sparked an interest in the realm of curation for you do let us know by dming us on instagram the link to our profile is in the comments with that i your host shagun takes leave take care